This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play, back in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, June 10th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the guy who feels the need, the need for speed, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, we uh, th- these are new shirts you can get uh, at the BYU Store. The official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere mm-hmm. and uh, title sponsor of the program here. So, uh, yeah, Top Gun, uh, amazing movie, right? We all agree on that. They were going to have a sequel come out, Maverick, but COVID paused all the major movies being released. So we're waiting for that one. It looks pretty good. I'm, I'm excited about it later this year. I don't know when it's coming out. Now. Yes, and these Top Gun-themed Brigham Young patriotic July 4th-ish T-shirts look yeah. pretty good as well. No, these are great. You can get these at uh, BYUStore.com right now, and uh, these are cool. I saw the BYU Store put out a, a picture with people who look better than we do. Uh, with these as well. As one is of, often the case. One of them was Davin Gwynn, who used to play on the uh, basketball team here. He he stopped playing basketball to continue to pursue, I believe, a law degree, which is pretty cool. For a second, I thought you were going to say to pursue a full-time modeling career. <laughs> yeah, that too now. That's <laughs> opened up as well. Jeremy, I just want to remind you, you can be my wingman anytime. Thanks, man. (laughs) More Top Gun quotes ahead, potentially, or maybe not. Here's today's show lineup. ESPN ranks the head coaching jobs for all group of five teams into tiers. Where did BYU land? I know some of you are saying, BYU is not a group of five team. BYU linebackers coach Ed Lamb will join us live. Are the linebackers the best position group on this team's defense? One of those guys, Isaiah Kafusi, will also join the show. Plus, the best to ever wear number 27, no joke, once hit a 500-plus foot home run in Provo. Yeah, stay tuned for that. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU is ranked 19th among FBS teams in most games played on national television as defined by this. ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, CBS... Fox and NBC since 2016 with 31 games. That's third most in the West tied with Boise state and uh, USC is above them. Notice the other schools. I didn't mention Uh, BYU among the most nationally televised schools in the country. ESPN ranks BYU's head coaching job. As mentioned, a tier two coaching job among all group of five college football programs. So my question is why not tier one? We'll go through the particulars of that in just a moment. Which programs did make the Tier 1 list? Greek basketball team Panathinaikos is reportedly asking Jimmer Fredette to take a 50% pay cut, according to Sportondo. He already donates 10% to his church. Fredette is in year two of a $3.5 million deal, which was the second largest contract on the team's roster at the time. The report opines that Fred uh, Fredette could go back to China or move to another European team. Uh, Panathinaikos also being sold for potentially one-fourth of its value. It's worth 100 mil, reportedly. It's going to be sold maybe for 25 mil. Wow. Which is really weird. Maybe it's homeboy hookup. I don't, I don't, uh, know, I don't know why. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Tier 2 job, but is that a Tier 1 verbal offense? Jerem ESPN 
puts BYU's head coaching job as a Tier 2 Group of 5 job below the likes of Boise State, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. Is that too high, too low, or just right? Feels too low. Let's walk through it, though. So Tier 1 jobs are uh, defined as this from ESPN. So financial backing for coaches' salaries. Do we feel like BYU is competitive in that regard among group of fives? I would say among group of fives, yes. Sure. We think we don't know, though, because it's a private institution, so we don't really know exactly how much Kalani Satake and his coaches make. I have a pretty good idea. <laughs> Support staff and facilities projects. Yeah, No major barriers in access to top recruits. I would say there are barriers. Oh, yeah, that there are, are barriers. Uh, self-inflicted by BYU yeah, and an advantage to get a certain kind of kid, right? But uh, so honor code. Consist- Mission advantage? Yeah, that's yeah, it's awesome. Consistent league title contenders that so no league, right? That regularly target New Year's Six Bowls. No. BYU's not sniffed any of those. Even though even a one, six, seven, eight, nine where BYU was really good, they didn't actually get that close, right? They lost too early to ever really be competitive. Uh you have to go undefeated. History of wins against power five, recent or long term. I would say BYU has a good history of winning about half of those. Uh, talk to a lot of group of five teams. They play one, maybe two a year. Boy, State would go get one win against Ole Miss on the road, and everyone's like, oh, they're legit. It's like, one win? What? Strong local or regional fan support? Oh, BYU's at an elite level with that. Power five expansion candidates. BYU is certainly in the conversation, right? Okay, tier two jobs. Mm-hmm. Solid footing with finances. Okay. I would say BYU, in terms of the financial part, BYU is a mid-level Power Five. They're doing just fine. They're in the black a long way. Right. Did you know that the Merritt Center Annex was paid for completely, including all the power bills each year, before it was even built? Before. That's how BYU works, okay? Uh, Access to good regional recruiting areas? Yeah, totally. Competes, yeah. Competes often for league championships? No. There's no league. Regularly makes bowls? Yeah. Occasionally challenges for New Year's Six? Nope. Some history of wins against Power Five. Okay, so let's, let's talk about, I think there are elements that are Power 5 at BYU. National exposure is one. We just talked about it. Lavelle Edwards Stadium is a Power 5 capacity and quality stadium. Rich history, national amazing fan base, BYU TV. Those are Power 5 elements of the program. Tier 1 G5 attributes. Financial backing, good financial support, support staff and facility projects, history of wins versus P5, expansion candidate. G5 Tier 2, this is where I think Tier 2. Barriers and access to top recruits. No league to win or compete in. New York Six, New York Six isn't a reality, and um, BYU regularly makes a bowl game. That's not like an issue. Whatever, making a bowl game is not hard. So here, here's and it looks it's beyond the field. On the field right now, BYU is a tier two group of five team. It feels like right seven and six with just less. You're not playing eight or nine power fives, and you're still going seven and six. But uh, as a program, BYU is a middle of the pack power five team uh, program. Right with all the other things around the team's result on the field. You know what's hilarious about this? This is tabled as uh, the head coaching jobs, but it feels one million percent like this isn't just about the head coaching job. When you're looking at the definitions of these, it's about the program overall. Well, that's that's one for one. Like what <laughs> what are you inheriting? Right? What are you marrying into? Right? Yeah. It, it's about. Uh, it's about your potential spouse, but it's also about everything that comes with the spouse. The family, the history, the attributes they have, the culture, the traditions, the habit, you know, all that. This could yeah. be, is it a tier one program, not just a head coaching job? Yeah, because of the trade-off that you just talked about. We are inherently offended by the idea that BYU is a group of five team. Like, when someone says that, we get a little bug. not we, a group of five team! We just do. We've chosen to be divorced from... Uh, group of five. 
by design. BYU is an independent. They are unlike any other program in America, really, because they're kind of just stuck in no man's land between G5 and Power 5. By choice. By choice. Uh, Again, we don't know the compensation, so... Not really going to delve into that, bro. We have a good idea. We have a good idea, but we don't know the specifics. BYU doesn't have to divulge that information like state schools do. It's not public information. BYU has the capability for Tier One facilities. Some aspects are up there; others clearly need updating. And BYU seems to be working on that. No league, no New Year's Six or BCS bowl history. The bottom of the definition is where BYU has the strongest case. History of wins against Power 5 teams. Check. Please. Uh, Are we going by win percentage or total? Yeah. Because BYU has total. Yeah. And I I don't know the win percentage of like Fresno State against. I don't. Or even what's the win percentage of Boise State against Power 5 teams? I would would gander that it's, you know, barely above 500 and BYU is historically 40%. Okay. One percent. You can ask the average college football fan that you know watches from a week to week basis, and you say, "Okay, does BYU beat Power Five teams?" And they would say, "Yes," because oh yeah, they had that crazy comeback at Tennessee, and oh yeah, they they beat USC last year. Oh, then they beat Wisconsin, Camp Randall, to end that crazy non conference uh, win streak that the Badgers had. People know that BYU is a brand that can beat Power Five teams, not just Power Five teams, but. Power 5 teams that carry prestige. Tennessee, USC, Wisconsin. Strong local or regional fan fan support. I will raise you a national fan base. Yeah, no question. And a top 25 social media following of all Division 1 athletic programs. Yes, BYU is a Power 5 expansion candidate as well. If there is a Power 5 expansion article somewhere buried within any... Uh, publication across the United States. BYU will be in that conversation. Will they actually be invited is a different conversation. They're in the conversation. But they're definitely in the conversation. As far as the head coaching job specifically goes, it's not easy at BYU. Running into significant recruiting challenges, whether self-imposed or not, with the honor code. So that's probably why the job itself falls to Tier 2. But as a program overall, I put BYU in Tier 1 right along with Boise State, who BYU beat last year. Was it even hard, Jerem? It wasn't even hard. With the third-string quarterback. And the fourth-string running back. Cincinnati, UCF. I know UCF is all the rage lately. I mean, they have done some. last year. No. Okay. Houston. Is BYU not on Houston's level? Houston's in an amazing location. That's part of the deal. And they're like they brought in Dana Holgerson. Dana Holgerson left West Virginia to play for uh, coach a group of five. That's a big deal. I put BYU in a tier one program area along with the rest of the group of five programs. Head coaching job, okay, I can see a tier two. Can we just say program? I'd be more program. <laughs> so to those who disagree that BYU is not a tier one program, I say, what's your problem, Kazansky? I also ask this question. ESPN ranks the BYU football coaching job as a tier two job among G5 schools. Is that fair? Why or why not? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Chaplin Schumann answers on Twitter. No, unfair comparison. This job is in a category all its own. The honor code. Coordinating missions and tough academic standards are a combination found at no other university. International fan base and history of success move it past G5 Tier 2, hashtag BYUSN. I can see how you could say, yeah, we don't fit into this. And yeah, that's true. But 
you gotta fit you gotta fit into it. Like how is how is BYU ever going to get into a power five if uh that's the ideology? I, 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 I don't disagree that yeah, it's, it's certainly unique here. But I think we need to be careful because remember what happened with the Big East? Like, oh, we need all this stuff because we're different. It's like at some point you have to find common ground and just acquiesce that you are like some other people in this regard, and that's a good thing in some ways, right? I don't think if BYU maintains this, we're different and we need full everything we want. I don't think BYU will ever get into a Power 5 conference if that's the case. And it may never, ever even be up to BYU whether they get invited. Someone has to want you. You can't just say, I want to be wanted. I had this thought recently. Even if Taysom Hill doesn't get injured in 2014 and BYU wins 11 games and they finally crack into the New Year's Six and get that monkey off the back. Today, BYU is still not in a Power 5 conference. Even if BYU follows that 2014 campaign up with 2015, Tanner Mangum is the guy from the get-go. Hill's never the guy at Nebraska because he's played his whole 2014 season and he's off to bigger and better things. And the Cougars win 10 games instead of 9. BYU's probably still not in a Power 5 conference. That, that's just the reality. Of, of you're we're... saying he would have bounced after his junior year? Because 14 was junior. He could have been. He'd be back for 15. Okay. Yeah. So he's back for 15. Regardless, if BYU wins 10 in each of the games or more in 14 and 15, are they in a Power 5 conference today? I think if BYU was cooking like UCF was a little bit. But UCF was cooking, and they didn't get invited into a Power 5 conference. Right. But BYU has a little more history and situation. UCF a conference has to up. expand, though. The Big 12 did this. So even if BYU was cooking like UCF, the Big 12 is clearly not going to expand. That was the dog and pony show to get more money. But if, if BYU, with its history, with its uh, resources and facilities, remember, BYU has unique stuff here. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a little different. I don't know. That, that's what's sort of missing in this. BYU has yet to really add the sizzle to everything it has. Because... What I really don't like in this whole conversation with potential Power 5 expansion at some point in the future is pointing back 36 years ago. That's getting really old. I love that BYU won the national title. That was a long time ago. It's way bigger than that. Like, What's the athletic program overall right now? Right, it is. And you've got to win to help your cause more. It doesn't come down to that, uh, like that only that, but it really helps. Like if BYU is what it is in football right now, they're they're just not a hot commodity on the field. And people, your brand is what you are on the field quite a bit, right? Like when I say a school's name, you think of the history and stuff, but you think, are they good now? And all it takes is just being consistently like, Eight or nine-ish, right? And BYU's been four, seven, seven. So certainly got to bump that up as we get closer to potential P5 expansion down the road. And again, I don't even know if that's going to be a thing that's even in BYU's control. Send us your Tier 1 thoughts on this Tier 2 situation. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, (laughs) Facebook, and Instagram. It's like a Tier 5 situation. It's June 10th. (laughs) Coming up, we preview the linebackers with senior Isaiah Kapusi. I imagine linebackers coach Ed uh, Ed Lamb could offer some context on that position preview as well. He joins us live next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Get to know the players, coaches, and some compelling fan stories. Search Deep Blue on the BYU TV app today. All 23 Deep Blue features are available on demand. 
We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Let's get to the next important item of business. Hit it! Countdown to the youths. 85 days, 85 days away from the scheduled start of the college football campaign for BYU in the 2020 season. And as that season approaches, we will preview each and every position group. Today, it's all about the linebackers. And to help us do so, we welcome in BYU assistant head coach and the special teams coordinator and linebackers coach, Ed Lamb, on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom. Ed, it's good to see you back in your office. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, well, here we are. We're all on campus, but uh, only you guys can actually shake hands and be together, I guess. <laughs> good, to, good to visit with you, even though it's I've had way too much Zoom in my life recently. Seriously. We're all experts now. Virtual backgrounds and muting and, yeah. and headphones. Oh, I don't have any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Ed, I say 85 days away from the scheduled start of the season. What's the first thing that goes through your mind? Well, I, I probably I, – I think I can speak for all of our program is uh, you know, it just – it can't get here soon enough. The, um, with what's been going on, the, the feeling of, of isolation and, um, and not having the opportunities to compete and prepare in, in the way that our guys are used to, I think, I think for everyone, you know, it'd be a, if we can get back as soon as possible to some normalcy with the way that these guys are used to preparing, then, then to me the earlier the better. And right now, volunteer workouts are going on. There's discussion, Ed, of uh, perhaps the NCAA sanctioning a six-week build-up to the season. That's typically been about four weeks. So we are about a month away, potentially, if that gets passed, from fall camp uh, beginning. What are your thoughts on, on the potential that we are a month away from an extended fall camp? Yeah, there's, you know, each time the NCAA kind of bounces something around, it, we, we hear about it and then and then we're talking amongst ourselves and then with, with coaches and other programs. And I know a lot of coaches are leaning towards, say, if we can get going and in some part of July, then we're just going to go straight through with these uh, maybe OTAs or, or a little bit different type of preparation than maybe we've had in years past and then all the way through the season. You know, I don't, I don't personally think that that uh, – may give the type of benefit that we're looking for. I know, I know we're behind a little bit in preparing for the season, but every program is, and we've got to remember that these guys are, these guys are passionate about what they do and they're going to be prepared. Um, I, I think physically pretty close to what they normally are. I, I think some well-placed uh, days off, even if it's one or two days here and there will be really critical throughout July and August in hopes of keeping the guys, um, you know, I, I mentally and physically ready to go, not just for the beginning of the season, but for the whole season. Yeah, the mental aspect of thinking about spending six weeks of fall camp with each other is uh, something else. Because after like week three, it feels like the guys are ready to knock each other out. So if you extend that, uh, things could get very interesting, it would seem. That's right. These are competitive guys who have had their, their competitive outlet taken away. And so we have to, we have to find a way to sustain that drive throughout the long season and, and the camp leading up to it. And they start, it, I'm, I'm remembering my mission, how I, yeah, I wanted to knock out some of my companions after <laughs> six weeks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, let alone football. And let's talk about that too, because we have yet to figure out, Ed, some of the, some of the safety regulations relative to football, because we're essentially saying, okay, social distance, 
But hey, when you play football, just you guys just yeah, just do your thing and it'll be fine. So we've certainly got to figure um, some things out in that regard of the risk we're willing to take, I guess, to have football. Yeah, absolutely. You said the word right there. It's risk. And that's what everyone who is involved in these decisions right now, they're just managing risk. And there may, you know, I, I know there's there's some uh, research out there to suggest that maybe the, the risk of all of this is, is not quite, um, doesn't quite justify the measures. But for those making the decisions, I don't think there's enough of that information right now to justify just uh, turning everyone loose and uh, letting us get back to it. So we're being uh, very conscientious right now in our program and in the weight room and, and with the boys training, making sure that we're coming back in the way that the latest research is indicating that we should. And hopefully every program's doing that and we keep marching towards some normalcy. Ed Lamb with us on BYU Sports Nation, assistant head coach, special teams coordinator, and linebackers coach. Ed, while you're managing risk and the health of all of your guys, you're also managing what looks like a pretty talented linebacker core. Uh, let's start with this guy, however, who is floating, we think, away from the linebackers into the secondary, Zane Anderson. What role will he play as a linebacker, if at all? I think that probably the best way to say it would be like w- within our program and, and language that we use talking to Zane and the other guys, Zane, Zane is going to cover tight ends. And, and sometimes linebackers do that in some schemes and sometimes – um, sometimes safeties do that. And, and so we have to continue to move toward the scheme or the personnel group that gets our best players on the field most consistently. Zane is certainly one of those guys that we have to take into consideration uh, in that effort. And, and what he does best to me is, uh, is hold edges, run sideline to sideline side and cover tight ends. And so whatever position we put him at, that's, that's most likely what he'll be doing. Another guy that perhaps is switching positions is Max Tooley to safety. Is that the case? Uh, yeah, and so Max is, a, Max is a little bit different in that Max uh, got enough playing time last year that he really showed a, an ability to do a lot of different things. But the thing, the impression that he made the most on everybody was that he will uh, courageously throw his body around in the name of BYU football victory. And so <laughs> we, we, we want to find places for him on the field. It, it may be, again, maybe safety, maybe linebacker, maybe defensive end. He's had some exposure to all of that now in special teams as well. Um, you know, and so the closer that guys like that get to being on the field all the time, the more we have to really define what their position is. But at this point, Max has a lot of abilities and we want to use that versatility. I love that. Courageously throw your body around. In the name of uh, in BYU the name football. of BYU football, and, and you've t- I want him to say that as he's tackling too. In the name of BYU football, <laughs> you've you've talked about contact courage too. That's a big deal for you, a, a guy that's going to throw himself in there, right? Yeah, I think that's the game, and and you know, just that's basically my foundational philosophy from from day one or letter A in recruiting, and then is finding guys that at least have the potential to develop that confidence putting them in the weight room, getting them stronger, building their confidence over time, and then seeing that to come to fruition on the field. That's, that's what I enjoy most, most about football. Ed Lamb with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, uh, let's talk about Chaz Ayu. Uh, what's his role right now? What's his status with the team, and what do you expect him to do once the season starts? Yeah, Chaz is, uh, you know, as far as the status with the team, you know, Ch- Chaz is training with the boys. He's he's preparing for the season, and so I think uh, you know whatever whatever he had, um, you know, with with uh, law enforcement and with with BYU honor code, 
that, at least from my perspective, that appears to be something that he's worked through or is working through and, and isn't um, in any way affecting his role with the team. So that's a great thing because he's one of a few guys that have a lot of experience for us. He can play uh, anywhere on the edge from the outside linebacker to the safety position. He's even got a little bit of action in, in nickel and dime packages at inside linebacker. And uh, his, his ability to find the football is something that we have to have. Absolutely. USC plays hurt in overtime. Toledo has that amazing strip, uh, you know, recovery. It was awesome. Kavik Fonua, to a lot of people, they may not know, he led the team in tackles. He's back, a guy that's played all over the place, running back, linebacker. What do you expect from him at uh, middle linebacker this year? Yeah, he's, he's consistently given us since he first stepped on the field. My, my first year here, 2016, he led the team in, in special teams tackles. So he's always been a guy that just has a knack for finding the football, bringing the ball carrier down, and uh, plays with a lot of speed, a lot of strength, always in great body position. And he's, he's a guy that we're really counting on. He's re- we really have, I think, five guys, Chaz, Kavika, Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, and Isaiah Kalfusi that have significant experience. A bunch of other guys in the mix, but those guys have played and made plays for BYU you know, more than one or two games. In the name of BYU football, right? In the name. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say those names, and again, just depth and experience kind of float to the front of the mind. Um, with that depth, is the linebacker core the deepest group on the BYU defense? Well, that can change really quickly. I know, I know some positions that we're counting on for the experience that they bring. The secondary. This is this is our most experienced secondary, especially out on the edges at the corner spots. To have this many guys that have that type of length, speed, and game experience, uh, getting Chris Wilcox back, and then and then mixing in Isaiah uh, Isaiah Heron, uh, D'Lo, and then uh, Keenan Ellis. Those those guys have all had played significantly. We haven't had that type of, um, of advantage in the past. There's a lot of experience you mentioned at linebacker, and I want to highlight maybe another guy or two there. Peyton Wilgar, before the season, we all thought he would lead the team in interceptions, right? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, he ends up having three, and he really showed up. He went from, people don't know his name, to this, this really stud player. What went into that development for Peyton Wilgar, and what do you expect uh, this year as a, as a sophomore? I think he really he followed the script for a developmental player, which is a little bit under-recruited in high school, um, body was really changing. He was a, th- a tall, thin safety in high school. And, and because I was at Southern Utah during his high school years, you know, I had tracked him from the time he was a young player and, and offered him down there. And then we really tried to convince him, you're scholarship worthy. We like it, BYU. We don't, it doesn't matter what other offers you have or don't have, but we didn't have a scholarship. And so he agreed to come walk on and earned it very quickly, obviously, with his play. And uh, also went from about 175 or 180 pounds as a as a junior in high school to now where he's at at 240 plus pounds Whoa. and a lot of strength and, and still can run. A lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the middle of the night, right? <laughs> I don't know his secret. You know, <laughs> he's, uh, the strength came along with it, so there's a lot of work in there. All right, one guy who we haven't talked uh, in detail specifically about during at least this interview is Isaiah Kafusi. Uh, we're going to have him on later in the show. What does he bring to the BYU defense? He's our most experienced linebacker and, and uh, in terms of number of years and how, how long he's been contributing. But, um, you know, it, and he brings what you would expect from that. He really 
I think, sees himself as um, important on and off the field to BYU football. So he's been uh, very vocal in his leadership. He's, um, he, he always has a smile, something positive to say uh, to both coaches and teammates. And so his value goes way beyond what he brings on the field, and what he brings on the field is substantial. Looking forward to seeing Keenan Peely and then Isaiah's brother Jackson as well in that group. Um, tell us about some of the newcomers, a guy like Josh Wilson, who was highly touted coming out of Corner Canyon. Of course, Zach's younger brother, who is a potential stud in the future for BYU as well. Yeah, you know, the eye test on Josh Wilson, he looks like a typical middle linebacker. He's not quite as tall and, and long as some of our other guys. But um, you know, really where he made a lot of noise uh, or, or would surprise people is his ability to play the pass. I, I think he uh, may have led the state or at one time was leading the state in interception returns for touchdowns and uh, really has a knack for uh, getting in the passing lanes as a middle linebacker. That's a, that's a huge benefit to, to any defense. So excited about uh, what, what he can bring early on. Uh, Pepe Tanavasa is a, is a guy that played um, just last year, was ineligible, but he played at Navy before he transferred here. He has shown a lot to everybody on the team. He's definitely going to be in the mix. Ben Bywater is one who redshirted last year. Uh, Drew Jensen has come a long way fighting back from injury, and we're starting to see the potential that he that we knew he had coming out of high school. The insights that you bring, uh, Ed, are always appreciated. The attention to detail. And thank you for giving us another theme for BYU athletics moving forward. In the name of BYU football. Courage. Yeah, contact courage. Courage to throw your body around. In the name of that contribution that I made, can can I get 10 seconds? I'm also coaching the Nickelbacks. And we have three guys that we didn't talk about. And I don't think the safeties coach will be bringing them up either. But if, if the young boys are watching this, Shimon Willis had an excellent spring. Ammon Hanneman is a young player we're super excited about that can play both linebacker and safety, and, and he fits in at the nickel. And then Caleb Christensen has uh, so much raw athletic ability right now. Excited about all three of those guys. Hey, yeah, love let's it. let's spread the love, man. Love it. Love it. Let's go. They, they've earned it. Ed, great to catch That's up with right. you, man. Hope you're staying uh, healthy, and uh, all the best to you and your family. Likewise. Thank you, guys. You got it. Ed Lamb on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Here's why I love uh, the opportunity we have together on the show. We think we know something about the linebacker. Oh, we're good. Like we kn- I learned a ton about people that I thought I knew already, right? And that's the pursuit of knowledge, right? Is Oh, we learned all these things, and we're talking about the nickel packs, and we're talking about Peyton Wilgar gaining 60 pounds from high school to now. 40 pounds now? And, and what he's earned and Ed Lamb's journey with him. So, yeah, this has been great. I'm really stoked about that group. We also learned a couple of new names, and he mentioned one. Pepe Tanuvasa is a uh, junior that transferred from Navy. He's from Tiger, Oregon. He's a guy that's in the mix, return missionary. Um, he's now at BYU. He's in the mix at linebacker. You can't have enough good linebackers either because those are the guys that are, that are in every single play, right, chasing the ball down, and the potential for injury with those guys is the highest on defense. So I'm excited about uh, the linebacker group. BYU brings back a lot of experience at that I'm position. I'm excited about that specifically, the experience that BYU brings back overall on this team. I had an epiphany before the show. Maybe I'll share it later about that idea. I shared it with you, but maybe I'll share it with you. Okay, coming up, senior Isaiah Kafusi on the season and what he expects from the linebacker position. Plus, the best to wear number 27 is just a straight-up home run. This is BYU Sports Nation. Escucha para BYU Sports Nation on demand by downloading the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast and subscribe, rate, and review. 
He is Jerem. I am Spencer, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Football's ranked 19th. What? Among FBS teams in most games played on national TV. ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC. We left a few channels off of that. Well, BYU football did. You know, and that's fine. I'm not talking about BYU TV. I'm talking about other channels. <laughs> Since 2016 with 31 games. That's third most in the West, tied with Boise State. Uh, they have the third most in the West with USC. Uh, notable that BYU is one of the tops in the country. Mm, interesting that you bring that up because ESPN ranks BYU's head coaching job as a Tier 2 coaching job what? among all Group of Five college football programs. Why not Tier 1? We'll go, uh, we went through, rather, the particulars in our opening segment. Download the podcast to listen to all of that. Jimmer! Greek basketball team Panathinaikos is reportedly asking Jimmer Fredette to take a 50% pay cut, according to Sportando. Fredette is in year two of a $3.5 million deal, which is what Spencer's in, that'd be team, mm-hmm. which was the second largest contract on the team's roster at the time. That's the case here as well. The report opines that Fredette could go back to China or move to another European team. I'm interested to see what he will do. China? Is he going to stay with Panathinaikos? Well, everyone's lost money, right? Everyone. So what happens now? We'll see. What's the best fit for Jim or Fredette? Uh, a topic for another day, that's for sure. Right now, it is time to adventure into the best to ever wear it. We're counting up to 99, one number each show, and determining who was the best athlete to wear each number at BYU. Today, we land on number 27. You were the best to ever wear that shirt, man. Thank you. You look good. I appreciate that. Corey Snyder is the best to wear number 27 ever at BYU. This guy was legit. Played at BYU from 82 to 84. His freshman season, he was uh, the Baseball America Magazine Freshman of the Year, 83. Top 10 nationally in RBIs, average total bases, homers. BYU was ranked number one at one point in the season. 1984, he's an All-American. He hits a BYU record, 27 homers, which is his jersey number as well. He ends up being the fourth overall pick to the Cleveland Indians. Nine-year career with the Indians, White Sox, Giants, and Dodgers. Hit 149 homers, had 902 hits, batted 247. Corey Snyder. Every time I bring up his name, yes. especially during a baseball broadcast and sometimes yeah, on tell, the show. Tell the story. Somebody will always bring up yes. the longest home run ever hit by a BYU baseball player. Mm-hmm. The field stands where Miller Park is right now. And it just wasn't as nice yeah. or as developed. Like a chain link fence in the outfield. He hit a ball that landed on the Marriott Center stairs. That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, I think there have been a couple of guys that did it over the years. But Corey Snyder is one of the all-time guys. I think there are a lot of BYU fans that don't even know that he played at BYU. Like, he was a part of an amazing team with Wally Joyner and others in the early 80s. Colton Shaver hit some absolute blasts, some bombs that bounced up towards the Marriott Center stairs. Yeah. This one reportedly landed at the bottom, landed at the bottom of the Marriott Center stairs. That's one, over 500 feet. It's one of those 27 and 84. Jeez. <laughs> Honorable mentions, Owen Pochman Owen and Ryan Poch- Hancock. Coming up, today's Rise and Shadow. And Isaiah Kafusi, one of those BYU linebackers, Mr. Experience. He joins us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
The BYSN Reviewables are back this Friday, June 12th, just two days away. We deep dive into the 1981 run to the Elite Eight. Danny Ainge, Fred Roberts, and Greg Kite and company. It's coming up Friday on BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B, and we welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. I didn't think you'd join us, I'll be honest. One of those experienced linebackers, Isaiah Kafusi. Always a good day to have you on the show, man. We appreciate you turning the other cheek towards Jerem and joining us. Uh, what's up, man? How you feeling? Feeling great. Thanks for having me on today. Um, just excited to be back and kind of get things going. And um, things are looking good for the future, so I'm excited. Let's talk about our uh, perceived beef. I have no beef. Apparently, you have beef with me. So, let, w- will you inform the people what the issue is here? Yeah, just uh, you know, I'm just very competitive. Don't like to lose. And uh, was coaching a flag football team against Jaron's team in the national, or the I guess yeah, we could, let's call it the national championship. The it was like a and, sponsors uh, dinner flag football <laughs> night thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was I was just coaching my team and and um, Jerem here, you know, we we threw a last second hail mary, and uh, we caught it, you know, probably three yards short of the end zone, and our guys running in, and Jerem pulls the flag about a yard, about a yard before like a the foot, end zone. Dude. It was like a foot, <laughs> a foot. I mean, it was literally like we we had video evidence, and we had to look back at it, and it was like so close, but don't like to lose and. Uh, Jerem seems to just hold that over my head here. You must be very competitive because this was flag football two years ago. That gives me, like, in the last dance, you know, George Carl doesn't talk to Jordan, and that's all he needed. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, did, I didn't know you were at that level of, of competitiveness. I love oh, that. Yeah. I love it's that. all fun and games, but. Yeah, I love it. You spoiled his flag football head coaching debut. So when are you going to enter the ranks again? Um, man, I was hoping to this year, but uh, hopefully soon. Yeah, that, that'd be good. Let, let's get back let's to get that, a, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you, you mentioned you're hoping to get things going soon. Obviously, uh, voluntary works out are, are underway, and there's talk of potentially the NCAA saying, okay, uh, July 13th or thereabouts, maybe the 11th for BYU, who knows, a six-week extended fall camp kind of thing. What are your thoughts on that potential? Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, just, you know, really the last couple months have really changed, you know, my perspective. And so just being able to play football, I think is, would be a huge blessing. Um, so I'm just looking forward, you know, any way we can get it, that'd be nice. Um, obviously there are logistical, you know, kind of roadblocks that, you know, potentially are there and we just have to work around those, but, um, really optimistic about moving forward and kind of the things. And it's been, you know, the guys have been coming back and things have been going well uh, in the weight room and with, you know, the coaching staff and, and the strength staff. Um, but yeah, I'm just, you know, excited about, you know, getting football back any way we can get it. We just talked to your linebackers <clears throat> coach, Ed Lamb, and he pointed you out as not uh, surprisingly one of the leaders because of your experience. So as one of the old guys per se on the BYU football team, how have you embraced that leadership role and what are you doing to try and further that cause? Um, that's a good question. I, I've always just tried to lead by example. Um, never really, uh, tried to be vocal and, and, you know, coaches have asked me to be more vocal, but, um, really just getting there every day and just, you know, arriving early, putting my hard hat and get, grabbing my lunch pail and just getting to work, um, doing extra sets, extra reps, running, um, more than I probably need to, but 
um, really have just tried to just lead by example. Um, I, I look at the leaders that, you know, I was around, you know, when I entered the program, Fred and Siona and Butch and those guys, um, they just really led by example. So I've tried to really uh, emulate kind of their example is just, you know, do the things that you do, do everything right. And then, you know, it'll pay off. Team, the dynamic of teams adjust from year to year, Isaiah, in terms of who the leaders are, who the best players are, and what year they are in terms of experience. It seems like this team on both sides of the ball, especially on defense, is senior heavy, is upperclassmen heavy. Is there something to that in terms of uh, the ability to have a better season than you would have with maybe this group? Should we expect you to have a really good season because there's a lot of good upperclassmen? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I look at our team right now, and I think this is probably the most experience we've had since my first year um, in 2016 when, you know, we had Jamal and Taysom on guys on offense. So I think, um, you know, the expectations are really high for us because we have so many guys who are experienced um, who are coming back. And so uh, I, I know we hold ourselves to a really high standard, and so I'm sure um, Cougar fans and Cougar Nation out there can do the same. Isaiah, because this pandemic situation has created really a halt for all sports, all athletes, and specifically college football, how have you tried to improve as a football player getting through the pandemic and uh, really the last six months overall? Yeah, it's been unique. Um, I mean, we've everyone, you know, basically on this planet has, you know, had different circumstances come up, and we've all had to kind of change and adapt to what's, um, you know, to this pandemic and kind of changing our routines. Um, Kalani did a really good job. It was probably about the first week or maybe the second week um, of kind of quarantine. He watched all the film on each of his players and he kind of made a list of things that we needed to work on. Um, so Kalani called me and said, Hey, like I've watched every single snap that you played in last year. Here's what I want you to work on. Here's the things you need to do. Like, so it was very proactive of him to, <clears throat> to kind of, you know, give us things, make a list for us of things we needed to do. And so I could just go out to the field and be like, okay, I need to work on my footwork, my hand strike timing, just getting little things down that will, would help me be a better football player. And so um, that, was, that was really big time and, and huge for, I think, a lot of players. Um, we've also, you know, had Zoom meetings and we've been able to meet um, and, and kind of just go over film and go over different things. And we were lucky because we had some practices on film from spring ball. Um, so that was a, a huge bonus for us. But um, and then I've also had guys, you know, like my cousins, Corbin and Bronson, who have been here and Devin and, and my brother. We've been able to train together. and um, that, That's been a lot of fun, you know, because they're, they're in the same situation. You know, they need to get better. And so we've all kind of just been able to rally around each other and, and get better. So how did you react to Devin's news of transferring to Utah? <clears throat> Yeah. I mean, people ask me that all the time. And, um, you know, I, I had known, you know, a little bit that he maybe wanted to, to transfer and I was, just, I was just excited for him. Um, to me, Devin was, was the BYU guy, you know, he's BYU through and through. Um, but he has goals and he has set goals for himself and he wants to achieve those goals. So for me, I, I mean, I'm probably the wrong guy to ask cause I'm his cousin, you know, and we've been really close and, so I, I've supported him, I mean, 100% through everything and really excited for him to go up there. Um, it, I always kind of joke with him that he's not going to beat us this year. But, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it, it's really fun for him. Um, 
you know, I, I'll support family no matter what, you know, anywhere they go, anywhere, uh, anything that they want to do. Um, I'm, I'm a family guy, so. But he'll be weird wearing red though, right? It's going to look weird. <laughs> yeah, it is going to look weird. <laughs> blue, I, blue definitely looks better. <laughs> Isaiah Kafusi with us on BYU Sports Nation, <clears throat> one of those experienced linebackers. When I say BYU versus Utah in 85 days from today, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Oh, there's a lot of things. Um, really excited about it. Uh, you know, last, or I guess two years ago up at Rice Heckles, wasn't able to finish the game up there and uh, just really excited to get back up there and, and be able to put a, a complete game together, you know, hoping for no injuries. I've been able to really get my, my body in shape, get my body feeling good. So um, really excited about playing football. But uh, yeah, that, that Utah game is, is going to be a special game. And we've been previewing the linebackers today. This is a, a a loaded group. It's exciting because when you return a lot of guys that you trust, you go, okay, we can do some special things. You guys had 10 of the 15 interceptions. It was amazing uh, what you did. And you won a, a, a bunch of games, USC and Utah State and the drop eight <laughs> stuff. And Jordan Love goes in the first round. You're like, wait a minute, pick that guy off a bunch. <laughs> what do you expect in 2020 with this group as you you bring back a ton, but you also add some nice pieces to it as well? Yeah, I think our defense is going to be really solid. Um, really excited about kind of our D line and the experience there, and so um, expect a lot more, you know, pressures and, and just getting after the quarterback. Um, I, I really like the drop eight. I know Cougar Nation doesn't seem to to like it as much, but I mean, it, it's led to uh, it, it's a good mix up and it's a good defense um, for for inexperienced quarterbacks. Um, kind of like you know Slovis at, at USC just was a good mix up and, and didn't, he didn't really expect what was going on. And, um, but I think the defense as a whole, I mean, we are experienced at every single position group and that's what I'm excited about. You know, not really just the linebackers had 10 interceptions. I mean, that was, that was cool, but that was last year. You know, I think our corners are going to have make big plays, our safeties, linebackers, our defensive line. I mean, it's going to be, there's going to be playmaking all over the field. And that's kind of what, what I'm really, really excited about this year. Which of your teammates at linebacker specifically deserve more attention and publicity? Who should we be talking about more? Oh man, honestly, um, there there are so many guys. I, I'm trying to think. Um, obviously, Peyton, you know, is is a, a stud, and he's going to be a phenomenal linebacker um, as he matures, as he gets more experience. Uh, Pepe, I think, is a name to to really circle, and Keenan. Peely. I think, you know, those three are, they're going to be um, making plays all over the field. So I'm just really excited about those guys. And, and there are more too. I mean, I could go on and on about all the other linebackers, but. Isaiah, let's give you some BYU sports nation karma for uh, the next time you coach flag football. And of course for the actual football. <laughs> and season. with Foster, you have a, you know, one-year-old. So th- that's a handful as well. <laughs> All right, brother. Great to talk to you. Thanks for the time. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Take care. Isaiah Kafusi on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. He's he's a real leader in that group, a guy that, you know, two days ago we were talking about who's going to have the biggest impact on the defense. And I said, hey, Isaiah, you said, Zane, there are a lot of playmakers, and they are experienced. And that's two people bringing up Pepe Tanuvasa's name. Mm -hmm. So we're going to keep an eye on him.
Okay, coming up, your responses to the question of the day. And a rising shout-out to the most exciting BYU college football opponent I've ever seen in person. This is BYU Sports Nation. What a tease. BYU Sports Nation continues with your daily reminder that this show and every other BYU Sports Nation show is available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or you can download the podcast. You can Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day, ESPN ranks BYU's head football coaching job as a Tier 2 job among all Group of 5 schools. Is that fair? They only, why or why not? They only put four in Tier 1, just to be completely open, right? And those four were Boise like, State. It's not like they put 12 Group UCF, of 5. UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati, BYU Tier 2, with the likes of Memphis. That's, that's tough. I don't, I don't think Cincinnati's a better job than BYU. It depends what you value. If you want to be on national TV and have a national fan base and have a really competitive schedule but no championship potentially, right, and unique uh, you know, recruiting base, then there's that. But if you want a conference and you want a chance to go to a New Year's Six and da 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 like on the field versus off the field, stuff that comes with it. All right, our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort answering the question at Maria Garcia FTW on Twitter. If BYU pays at a Group of Five Tier 2 level and has a losing record against Group of Five teams in the last four years, it's not four years, it is three years, then that's a tough pill to swallow, but probably true. The only thing that would offset it is the platform. You play in front of a national audience more than many Power Five teams. Exposure is good when it's good, but it's also bad when it's bad, right? You get exposed for what you are. Hopefully that is good. Yeah, over the last three years, BYU 11 and 12 combined against Group of Five teams. No bueno! Today's rise and shoutouts. Uh, NFL coaches returning to facilities. Major League Soccer announcing it's returning as well. Of course, the NBA returning in July. Uh, we're starting to come back out and play sports, and hopefully we do it with immense safety and it goes well. My rise and shoutout goes to USC for essentially reinstating Reggie Bush. About time. Dropping the... Uh, I guess the idea of ignoring him and putting him out of uh, the school. Reggie Bush is back with USC. It should have happened a long time ago. It really never should have happened, but I'm glad to see he's the most exciting opponent I've ever seen play against BYU in person. Yeah, top five favorite player to watch ever. Our thanks to today's guests, Ed Lamb and Isaiah Kafusi. Sorry to Dennis Pitt on the time. For Jeremiah and Spencer, shout out to Trevor Brent. We'll see you on BYU Sports Nation tomorrow, noon Eastern. Go Cougs. Pepe!